Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 7 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and in this episode I am talking about digital publishing with John Campbell, Head of Digital Strategy at Oxford University Press. He told me about his very first job in publishing and the main tasks of the different teams in the digital strategy area at OUP now. In terms of career advice, He suggested not to specialize too early, but to be flexible and always learn new skills. And as regards the future of publishing, he stressed how content management is pivotal to answer the needs of the market. Happy listening, and for any comments or feedback, you can write me an email or find me on Twitter at flamflam91, F-L-A-M, F-L-A-M, 9-1. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Inside, please subscribe and leave a review. Welcome to a new episode of Publishing Inside. Today I am at Oxford University Press to interview John Campbell, who is Head of Digital Strategy. For the academic division. Uh, first of all, thanks a lot for your time Thank and you. for accepting to join me in this episode. My first question is, what was your very first job in publishing and what did it allow you to learn about the industry? So my first job in publishing was back in the late 1990s and working on, I actually started off in content. So on the editorial side and content editing, um, I worked on political yearbooks um, for Longman Publishers and then Pearson. Um, and that was quite traditional print reference publishing. Um, so I started on the content side, but then from that started to understand the mechanics of how you, of how publishing worked. And uh, that was my springboard into, into publishing. And... It was pretty clear from that early stage that um, you need to be prepared to work in a really broad um, variety of things. So not to pigeonhole yourself, to really understand that publishing is an exceptionally broad, requires a broad range of skills. And so, uh, and getting in on the content side, you start to see every every piece of the chain that goes into creating a, a piece of content. So I was ready for variety from that earliest point. Perfect, thank you. And what does a typical day as the head of digital strategy at OUP look like? So they're all busy days. Digital is is the core of everything we do now um, and being ready for the the, the type of flexible usage that digital allows, um, allows for our content. So I'm the head of strategy for our primarily for our content platforms. So for Oxford Academic, our journals delivery platform, um, and for our online product sites that include things like Oxford Scholarship Online for um, academic monographs. It includes the Oxford Dictionary of National Biography, DNB site. Um, So day-to-day, 
is managing uh, is a combination of managing our ongoing roadmap of development for those online services. What does it take to keep us competitive? Um, what do we need to do from quarter to quarter to best serve our users, our content, and our market position? Um, but running in parallel to that is the longer term planning, the proper strategic planning for what our what's our five year view for our um, services, for our content preparation, for where we think the market's going, um, and constantly tuning that that view based on um, all of those variables. So it's a combination of the day to day and and keeping up and really looking ahead and planning more broadly. Perfect. Thank you. Um, which are the teams that constitute the digital division at OUP and which are their main tasks? So the digital strategy um, area within this division, uh, it's, it's, it was formed about two or three years ago from uh, to bring together a number of specialisms that we were starting to create uh, within OUP. So within our team, within the team I manage, we've got um, three distinct pieces There's a group doing what we call strategic analysis, and that's really about the business cases for change. Uh, so if there's a request to do a particular thing on one of the platforms or there's a need for a new capability to, to keep competitive, um, then that business case to do that would be assessed by an analyst. And they'd be looking at um, what does this change need to do? What would be the cost of doing it? Um, are we in a minority amongst our competitors in not having this thing? Uh, what benefits would we gain by having this capability? Uh, so they're putting together that, um, essentially the pros and cons, um, but to build a business case. So that's the strategic analysis piece. Um, we then have a team who manage the usability design of our user-facing platforms, the user experience, the UX team. And they're managing the designs so that when a user comes to an Oxford uh, property on, on the web that they know it's OUP, that they know how it should work, that they know if you click here I'm going to log in and if I click here I'm going to browse a subject list, so about consistency. Um, but also that team has the technical skills to be able to write the style sheets, the CSS that we can actually put on the site so we can be really quite dynamic and flexible in, how they, in what they do. Uh, and the final leg of this uh, of this stool is is digital story, and that's really about communicating what we're doing. So we have a need uh, as a publisher to be um, announcing the things we do, to be persuading authors that we're a, a competent digital publisher to to publish with. But also on our journal side, we work with um, independent society publishers, um, academic societies who want to publish with us. And we need to be able to tell a story to them about our, the expertise, how we're planning, what we're doing, what our five-year view is. So turning everything we're doing into a really compelling digital story. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. And why is it so important to have a strategy when we talk about digital publishing and how do you establish one? Uh, it is, yeah, it's the heart of the matter. If you, if you don't have a strategy, you're being tactical you're constantly reacting um, and you're perhaps making changes that are um, based on incomplete uh, business case or rationale. Um, you're responding to what's known in the industry as the loudest voice in the room. So doing what the loudest voice says rather than necessarily the right thing to do. So to get away from being reactive, you need to have a strategic view. You need to understand that 
what are your core principles? Um, we call them our strategic tenets. What are the, for example, eight or ten core things that as an academic publisher we need to be doing? Um, and that covers an interesting spread of things around uh, our content and around the user experience and around our author relationships and a number of other things. So firstly, being very clear what you actually are, what your core principles are. And then within that, what are the, what are the capabilities you need to have to be able to deliver on your core principles? And those capability areas, more often than not, will overlap with... Um, particular um, technical abilities or projects that you would need, we would need to do. Um, so all through throughout the process, it's matching up a request to do something against what is our long-term, what are our long-term goals, what are our core principles as a, as a publisher, and what are the capabilities we need to deliver this. So as long as we're constantly checking back to those guiding principles uh, and reassessing our five-year view, then everyone has that strategic framework that they know that they're broadly working on the right things in the right areas and it's not just uh, a bit random. Yeah, earlier you mentioned the roadmap. So can you explain a little bit more what it is about? So the roadmap takes a, a few forms. Um, we have a roadmap of, our, of the digital products that we would be creating on our platforms. So that's really tying in with our editorial strategy. Um, what are the types of new customer offerings that we want to bring to market and uh, offer as a subscription or, uh, or whatever it might be. Um, and then the roadmap I mentioned earlier is about the roadmap for change. And so that's really about our capabilities roadmap. So um, the ability to be uh, hosting multiple content types on our platforms. Um, so increasingly, um, authors won't be coming to us just with uh, you know, a manuscript or a journal article or whatever it might be. They're going to be coming with a whole number of different things. It might be 3D models it, um, for representation on the web. It might be uh, a data set that needs to be queried. It might even be um, computer code, program, program, programming code to back up research. So we need to have those capabilities to be able to uh, to react to the changes in how content's created now. Perfect, thank you. And what is your favorite project you have worked on at OUP in your in your current role? <laughs> well, I think this is this one's probably a love hate one. Uh, so the biggest challenge and therefore satisfying because the biggest projects are the ones that you you truly um, become invested in. Uh, was also the hardest. So, you know, personally and professionally, it was also uh, a long haul. But that project was the, the transition of our, um, our journals publishing that had previously been on a, a supplier in California called Highwire onto our new Oxford Academic platform. And the goals and the, and the strategic work around that platform um, are for it to be very much the, the home for our content for the long term. So that Oxford Academic brand being our, our sort of face to the world for our online content. And the preparation for doing that, all the different types of content and services and um, author expectations and society partnerships that are invested in that shift um, was an incredibly satisfying project, really hard. Um, we made the launch date for journals, um, and it was you know, an eight to nine month process to, to, that, to that initial launch, so it was very aggressive. 
but then that program continues because we're looking to bring the rest of our content types onto this onto this environment. So it was a it was a major shift for us as a um, as a publisher in two ways. Firstly, it's us taking more control back ourselves and not being so dependent upon um, technical suppliers, but also to really fully define our strategic goals and our long-term view as preparation for that project. And that's now the framework that we all operate in. Perfect. Thank you. And which advice would you give to people who aspire to work in digital publishing and what are the skills they need to develop? I think it goes back to the point I was making at the beginning about my start. I think absolutely don't specialize too early. This is a really fluid industry. Um, it's, it accommodates many different specialisms and areas of expertise. Um, ideally, you would be moving between them. Um, so through my publishing career, I've worked in, uh, in editorial, in operations, in technology, in marketing. Um, and from each of those experiences, gained new skills. You're still applying it to the to you know, the core principles of somewhere like OUP, for example, as an academic publisher, and it's got its mission and so on. But it allows you to be flexible. It allows you to gain new skills quite quickly. Um, and but I think fundamentally, it's about understanding the the needs of the content. So if you've got a really good sense of um, of the type of content uh, that a user wants and how they use it, um, then all the different mechanisms a publisher has to create and deliver that um, make a lot more sense. So, and a lot of that understanding the content and the user is actually many of the skills of marketing. Um, it's, it's about really understanding the motivations for somebody when they want to use your site or they want to use a particular journal or a particular book. Um, Increasingly, it's about understanding how they want to interact with that content. Do they want it on a mobile? Do they want it as uh, pay-per-view? Do they want to have a subscription? Do... So it's about how to sort of meet that customer at the precise sort of point when they want to inter integrate, interact with your content in, a, in, a, in the way they want to. So that flexibility, I think, is at the heart of publishing. The publishing houses I see struggling are the ones that are sticking to older models, or are wedded to particular formats or content types. Um, I think it's about thinking of the content as a piece of intellectual property, but it can be used in a whole variety of ways. And so long as it is, um, it's born digital and you've, you've got it captured as digital content from the start, then the ways in which it can be packaged, delivered, consumed, become almost infinitely flexible. Um, so... I think that would be my general view of um, of how of how the industry is shifting now to a much more flexible response to the customer's needs. Thank you. And in your opinion, what is the most exciting thing the future has in store for digital publishing? I think it's really building on that point. It's about um, the publishers really understanding that they are... It, Fundamentally, they're about content. And so historically, a publisher will have had many different um, uh, pieces and components. They'd have had distribution, and printing, and you know, a whole variety of different things. But at its very heart, they are the custodians of quality content. So there's a lot of content you can get on the web, and it's 
vary in quality and you're never quite sure where it's come from and you don't quite know if it's been peer-reviewed and you and how reliable is it and I think the the publishing um, the digital publishing industry now has the position to have to be the custodians for quality content but so long as it is but it has to ensure that that content is ready to be used in in whatever way uh, possible so preparing it digitally um, really researching the way in which it should be used the way in which the user would like to use it um, being prepared to reconfigure that content in different ways um, this is done a lot in the in the schools and English language teaching areas already in the repackaging of materials to different user levels and different market segments um, but on the academic publishing side that's happened sort of less so but increasingly now we see the researcher or user as an individual uh, they may be coming through a subscription from a library or, or, or wherever they get access but they're coming in to us as um, at a particular user level with very specific research interests quite often um, and they're not wedded to format type at all they don't just because we have something in a journal and something else in a book and something else in a reference article is kind of largely irrelevant um, we need to be able to meet the user at their at their academic point of interest and at their user level. So that means for us we have to standardise the the user experience that we can make sure that content that's got different structures can still be consumed on a mobile phone or on a tablet or um, prepared as a as a custom bundle of content for for the user. Um, so the publisher needs to be almost you know, infinitely flexible now. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it seems um, to me that it's more uh, academic and educational publishers who are investing in digital innovation compared to uh, trade publishers. Do you think this is the case and why? I suspect it's the difference between um, trade publishers, if you think of sort of, uh, sort of fiction particularly, it, there's an expected format and structure to that market and the retail channels are obviously mature and there's less variety. Um, I think with the academic publishers, we publish an enormous variety of content. So that's variety not just in um, format, but also content area. So for somebody like for a for a publisher like OUP, it's everything from um, metaphysics through to life sciences, through to music, through to um, you know, aspects of poetry, literature. You know, the spread is right across the board, and that is a very broad set of markets to serve with content that's always of a, a quality that OUP, a publisher like OUP would, um, uh, would be expected to produce. Uh, but because it's so varied, therefore the customer base is hugely varied and the, the place they are in their academic and professional journey is, um, they, they can be at any point in that chain. And so I think one of the things that we need to ensure our content does is that it can meet them at any point on that journey they're taking personally and professionally. Um, and that's why uh, we, we need to, I suspect, to be more flexible than, say, just a traditional fiction, print fiction publisher. Perfect. Thank you. And finally, what are you currently reading in your spare time? And what is your favorite book of the year so far? Ah, spare time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, the thing I'm reading at the moment is um, uh, when Tom Wolfe died recently, I, I was rem reminded I'd never finished off um, The Right Stuff, and so which is his uh, 
amazing book and stylistic view of the um, the original, the early days of the space race and, and NASA and the Mercury missions and so on. So I got about a third of the way through that and unfortunately it took him dying to remind me that I hadn't finished it. Uh, so I'm about almost finished in that. It, truly a, an amazing read of uh, a period of adventure and innovation and risk-taking and uh, that we probably won't see sort of of that type again. But um, so that's that's the thing currently on my bedside table. And I don't think beyond uh, piles of industry term, tomes and analyses and papers and so on, I've, I've not got into a, a novel this year. Um, I'm reading a lot of stuff with the kids. Uh, we're very deeply into Asterix. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, so this was my last question. Thanks a lot for um, your time and your insight about digital publishing. And I'm sure our audience will find it extremely interesting. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. That is all for episode 7 of Publishing Inside. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it and found it useful. If so, please subscribe and recommend it to other people you think may be interested. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next episode.